Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is John. I have the privilege of serving here as the multi-site pastor and continuing our current teaching series, Created for Community. I'd love you all to join me in making some noise as we welcome all of our locations who are joining with us right now. C3 Colchester, C3 Bury St. Edmunds, C3 Church Online. Great to have you. Everyone join us in a prison today through Way Out TV. Let's give them a shout out. We're so pleased. Wherever you find yourself today, that you have joined with us for this time, and we just believe that God wants to speak into your heart today. I am really passionate about this subject of community. I love this topic of community, and within that, I'm really passionate about small groups. I really believe that God does something as we get into relationship with others around us. I've been involved in leading small groups in C3 Church for, which we call C3 Groups, good name, hey, uh, for about 10 years now. And I am leading a group right now with my wife, Hannah. Anyone want to guess how we first met? It was in the first C3 group that I led. I've been leading a group now in Newmarket area, and we just love what God does. We passionately believe there's something beautiful in church community. And I really believe this, that as we gather together in our big settings, in our locations, as we're gathered as one church today, in combination when we gather through the week in our small groups, that forms part of God's ideal for our life. I want to build upon the fantastic start to the series, as we heard from Rosemary last week. She spoke to us about how we are created for community, because we are created in the image of God. And God himself is a community in the sense that he is three in one through the Trinity. And I want to build upon that. And today what I want to explore within this area of community is a tension that I believe exists in this area. In the sense that we are designed for community, but sometimes it can be difficult for us to find as well. Maybe there's some hard work that we need to put in to make sure that we connect to life-giving community. So I'm going to explore why it's absolutely worth us putting in the effort, why it's worth us putting in the hard work, before I finish off by giving us four practical ways that we can do the hard work to make sure that we find life-giving community. I'd love to read to you from the scriptures. I would love to invite you to stand if you are able. I'm going to read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. So in all locations, you can stand. And I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to pray. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is Faithful. Everyone in every location say faithful. He is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray in these moments that we have together today, Lord, I pray that 
you would help us to listen and be attentive to what you want to speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take your seats, give someone a high five, a hello as you sit down. Community. We are designed for it, but it also can require some hard work from us. In my own experience, I know how much I benefit from getting planted and rooted in community. But I'm also aware that there's seasons where I have had to put some effort in. There's been some onus on me as well. Around 12 years ago, I first showed up at the C3 church. And on week two, I decided I'm going to go along to C3 Young Adults. So I go along Thursday nights, as it was then, into town in Cambridge. And I walk through the door, and I get greeted by some friendly group of people. There's some guys there who are really friendly, made me feel at home. We got chatting, and we realized that we've got a mutual interest in football. Now, don't ask me what my teams are, because neither of them are doing very well right now. But we've got this mutual interest in football. So they say to me, hey, John, well, we have a group of guys. We just have a friendly game of football, Jesus Green, Sunday afternoons. Why don't you come along and join us next Sunday? We'd love to see you there. So I go through the evening at Young Adults, have a good time, go home, and the week slowly ticks towards Sunday. Now, 18-year-old John, who's a little bit of an introvert, just moved to a new city, a new country, maybe a little bit socially uncomfortable, slowly through the course of the remainder of the week, begin to convince myself that what was a genuine, heartfelt invitation might be better interpreted like this. We have a great group of guys who play football on a Sunday afternoon, and we would love it if you never, ever showed up and disturbed our group. So Sunday came, and Sunday went. And I didn't go and play football. And it's Thursday night again. I go back to young adults and they say, John, what's going on, mate? We thought you were going to come play football on Sunday. It was genuinely a genuine invitation. So the next Sunday ticks around. I'm pushed through some of my fears, my worries, my anxieties. I turn up at Jesus Green. It was bigger than I was expecting, if I'm honest. There's some guys there getting ready to play football but none of the ones that I know, and everything in my head is screaming at me, John, just run away, like get back to the safety of the car as quickly as possible. I force myself to sit down, I put on my football boots, about five minutes later, the guys I'd met show up, they introduce me to the other guys, we play football, it was a good time. Now why am I telling you that story today? I'm telling you that story because me, committing to go along to young adults in combination with showing up and playing football with these guys would be one of the key things that would help me experience a sense of community. That would make me feel like this church was my home, that I belonged here. But from that place of belonging, I was enabled to encounter God in my life in ways that would change my life forever. God has absolutely touched my heart through the years that I have been here. But I had to make a decision to get rooted and planted in community. There was some hard work that I had to do. I had to push through some of my fears that go on in my mind. I had to make a commitment to keep showing up. But when I found the place of belonging, as I settled and rooted myself, God was able to change my life. If you're taking... Yeah, it's great. 
If you're someone who likes to take notes today, whether you're going along on you version, you've got your paper notes out, the title for my message today is The Hard Work of Finding Community. And my first point is this, the tension. It's the tension that I have just illustrated and one that we find in the scripture that I read to us from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, there's a, a focus, or one of the focuses in the book is on this topic of perseverance. A message that keeps being repeated over and over again is keep following God. Keep going God's way. Keep pursuing the things of God even in the face of opposition. We read the encouragements, even in the three verses that we studied today, that we've got to be people who hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. We've got to be people who spur each other on toward love and good deeds. We're meant to be encouraging each other until the very day approaches. And as we read, the writer is trying to illustrate to us that this is going to be best done as we commit to keep gathering together. As we commit to keep showing up, as we keep commit to keep getting together with one another as fellow believers. But at the same time, the writer is talking to the fact that some of his hearers are getting out of the habit of doing this. So in other words, it's best, but it also seems that for some reason it can be difficult, especially in the face of opposition. Tim Keller, who's a great pastor, writer, thinker based in New York, he writes this. Community is no longer natural or easy under our present cultural conditions. It will require an intentionality greater than required by our ancestors and uncomfortable for most of us. For us to find true community, for most of us, it's going to take a conscious, intentional decision. Or in other words, there may be some hard work that we need to do. It's best, but maybe it's difficult, especially in the face of so many distractions that we have got going on in our life. Maybe I could just get through on my own. No, you can't. We need to get rooted, planted into life-giving community. I want to do a hands-up little poll across all of our locations, so I'd love you to engage in this with me. You can put your hand up in a moment if you agree with this statement. How many of you in your locations and here today in online, you can join in in the comments, how many of you believe that community, that being known, that finding a place of belonging, that getting together with a smaller group of people who can care for you, support you, pray for you, champion you, encourage you through life. How many of you believe that that is a good idea? That might be an idea that we find in the Bible. Hands up, hands up, hands up across all of our locations. This is about 100%. There's probably about 2 or 3% of you, and I'm convinced that that 2 or 3% of you would never put your hands up in church for any reason under any duress, and that's okay. <laughs> I'm not going to poll the follow-up question because I know the answer to this. I know that only about 35% of us regularly engage in a C3 group. I don't poll that. I'm not trying to expose you whether you do or you don't because I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable this morning. But what I do want to do is encourage you that it is worth putting in the work to find God-given life Fulfilling, strengthening, encouraging community. And so maybe we know that it's best. It's clear that we all believe that it's something that's biblical. It's a good idea. Maybe it actually requires something from us as well. I'm happy to say this as 
one of the leaders in the church here, this area of groups, C3 groups, we have never fully cracked it in the life of the church. We are not able to say, oh, we've done it brilliantly through the years. But this is our commitment, because it might be a number of reasons that have led to that. This is one of our commitments. We believe it's really important, and we want to get it right as we go into the future. We want to work to get it right, and here is why. We don't know who the book of Hebrews was originally addressed to. We don't know the original audience, but it feels like it's so relevant to us today. Because for us, the church, in 2023, we face opposition. It is not easy to live for God in 2023. We do not experience physical persecution, but there is challenge. If we're going to keep living God's way, uphold God's standards, if we're going to keep pressing after the things of God, we face opposition. So this message to keep going in the face of opposition is really important for us. And I am convinced of this. As we build towards the remainder of this decade, if we are going to be people who keep walking forward into all that God has for our life, if we are going to stay true on this path of being Christ's followers, if we are going to keep fo focused on Jesus Christ in the face of opposition, we are going to have to do it from a place of being rooted and planted in community. If we are going to sustain what it means to be sent ones, bringing Jesus to our world, if we are going to sustain bringing the witness of God to the people that we are with, if throughout the week we are going to have to do it from a place of being sustained by community because we need life-giving community in our life. Let me take a moment to talk to some of the students, particularly in the room here, this is Cambridge, there'll be students listening to this. Maybe it's three years, maybe it's two years you've got left, maybe it's 10-week terms or a little bit longer for you. I just want to encourage you, as you find yourself in Cambridge for this season, or maybe in Colchester, you're studying in Colchester, I want to encourage you, if you are going to sustain being a Christ follower, and more than that, bringing Christ to your fellow friends, to your students, to the college where you are. If you are going to sustain that over three years, you need to do it from a place of being rooted and planted in God-given community. Some of you in the C3 church, and we love you, you get deployed into the UK for three years maybe. I want to encourage you. If you're going to sustain being God to your squadron, to the position where God has placed you, if you're going to continue to bring God to fellow spouses that come and meet with you through the week, if you're going to keep bringing God and going strong in this season, you're going to have to do it from rooting and planting in the local church. Because we thrive and we flourish when we commit to God's picture of community for our lives. See, we have this tension. We're designed for it. It's the way God's designed us to live. There's also some hard work that maybe we need to do as well. My second point is this. It's worth the work. It's worth the work. I don't know about you, but I'm the sort of person that I don't mind a little bit of hard work in my life as long as I know it's going to be worth my while. That's how I feel about life. I have just turned 30. And so, don't have to cheer for that, that's fine. 
And you get to the end of a decade, the start of a new decade, and you start to think a little bit about goals and that sort of thing. And one of my goals as I go into this decade of my 30s is I have committed, like, I want to get to what I believe is a healthy weight for me. I want to get a little bit fitter, and I want to eat a bit healthier. They say you should tell somebody your goals. You're more likely to fulfill them. I've just told about 1,500 people across four locations, so I've got people (laughs) on my back for the remainder of the year. And that's one of my goals, but I want to tell you this. I have got no interest in limiting my consumption of crisps if it's going to have no benefit in my life. I love a bag of crisps, and I am not going to stop eating them if I am not convinced that the results are going to be worthwhile. But I'm prepared to limit it because I believe there's going to be a result that comes in my life. In a moment, I'm going to go a little bit up in your face. I'm going to challenge you to be the sort of people that put the hard work in to make sure that you find community for yourselves, but even better than that, that you are somebody who helps create context of community for others to come into. And if you are going to do that hard work in your life, you're going to be one of be convinced that it is worth the work. So here is what the Bible has to say about the benefits. And the beauty of us living in community together, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. This is talking into this value of community, of doing life with others. This is one of the things that I witness in this verse that I even appreciate about my own C3 group and having people walking alongside of me. It says, if we slip into a ditch... Not only is there someone who's close enough to me to see that I've slipped into a bit of a ditch, but they're right there and they can say, John, take my hand, mate. Get back up and come back on the path. I want to help you, encourage you this week. I'm going to cook you a meal. I'm going to be praying for you, John. God's best is still to come in your life. This isn't the end. You can go again. You can keep focusing. You can keep being a good parent. I know you feel like you blew it this week, but go again because when I fall into a ditch, there's someone who can pick me up. Get this, church. We all end up in ditches. As we go through our life, and that doesn't have to be this massive moment where we fall away from God and we make a terrible decision that ruins our life forever. We just hit little ditches. Maybe it's a little ditch where we feel a little bit discouraged this week. Maybe it's a little ditch where health has been a real challenge in our life in a season. I want to encourage you. There is a beauty when there's someone who can pick your hand up and say, come on, brother. Come on, sister. Let's go again. This is not the end. God has got work for you still to do. Because when we walk in community, there's someone to pick us up. Another thing that this verse illustrates to us is that there is a strength and there is a protection when we walk together. It says when we walk alone We are in danger of being overpowered. No one knows who's behind me. There's nobody got my back when I'm trying to walk this life alone. As a Christ follower, we're trying to do it alone. We are vulnerable to every attack of the enemy. But it says that when there is two or when there's three, when there's a group of us together, I am less vulnerable to attack because somebody has got 
my back. I want to encourage you, church. Make sure as you journey into 2023 and all that God has for your life, that somebody has your back this year, that there are people around you who are going to pray for you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to speak the truth of God's word over you. Next verse is Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. He says, as we get in proximity to each other, as there's a rubbing that goes on, we get sharper in our faith. You know, in the natural, the best way for sharpening to occur is when there are differing properties going on. You don't need to find a group of people who think and talk and act just like you. In fact, it's much better if they don't. Here's why I value in my group, there's somebody who's got a great gift in understanding God's word. There's another who's got a great gift in compassion for people. There's somebody else who's a great interceder in prayer. There's somebody else who has great faith for God to move. And as we get together, I find myself getting sharper because I've rubbed against fellow believers and I go back into my world where God has worked for me to do. You know what it says in the Bible? It says that a blunt axe requires more work. I don't want to be a blunt axe in 2023. I want to be sharp for the task that God has called me to engage in. And I'm going to get sharpened as I get into community with other people. Final one. Psalm 92, verse 13. Planted. Everybody say planted in all our locations. Planted. Write it in the chat. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. I have never met anybody as a pastor who's stepping into a new season who says this to me. John, my goal in this season is to coast through this season. Oh, if my faith sort of slowly declines over the next two years to the point at which I just about believe in Jesus, then it's mission accomplished. That is my goal, my outlook for the season ahead. Nobody ever says that. Because the reality is we all want the blessing that is contained in this verse. We all say, I want to flourish. I want to be an oak of righteousness. I want to go forward in multiple areas of my life and experience God's best for me. But the reality is it's a promise that is related to the action that we take. When we get planted in the house of the Lord, we are positioned to flourish into what God has for our life. I want to encourage you to make a commitment that you are going to root and plant. Rosemary started to talk about it beautifully last week. Let me continue. Get planted in God's house. Don't play fast and loose with the church. Don't think you're going to find the perfect church somewhere. You need to root in a church that feels right, that you align with, and you need to say, this is going to be home. Sometimes we have limited seasons. Mentioned it already. Some of you listening to me will have a limited season. You're here for uni for a set period of time. You're working in hospital for a couple of years to fulfill visa requirements. You're deployed here for a season. This is a stepping stone career move. And what can happen when we have limited seasons is that we don't put our roots fully down. And the reason for that is we realize that when we put roots down, uprooting can be difficult. And so unconsciously or consciously, we withdraw. Can I encourage you? You make this a season of flourishing, a season of putting your roots down. I get that sometimes it can be hard to uproot. Maybe you want to read some of the Apostle Paul's writings 
to the churches that he planted this week. Because he gets the pain of it. He says things like this to churches that he planted. I was torn away. I longed, I longed to see you. He talks about crying tears. But you know what? In the life of the Apostle Paul, rooting not only sustained him through the season, not only did he flourish in what God had called him to do, and flourishing doesn't mean the absence of opposition, by the way. Not only did he flourish in the things that God called him to do, but through his obedience, God created flourishing for others, where others came into a place of community, where others sensed what it was to know God and God's best for his life. Make this commitment if you're in a limited season. You're going to have a season of flourishing. You'll say, not only did I grow, not only was I built up in my faith, but I built something. And that through it, God caused flourishing. You will look back in five, ten years' time, and you will say, I had a season in Cambridge or Bury St. Edmunds or Colchester. I had a season And there are still friendships, there are still people in the kingdom of God because I chose to invest fully into the local church in that season. And my faithfulness caused flourishing not only in my life, but also in the life of others. Finally this, how to do the hard work to find community. Four ways, I promised you. This is going to be quick, four practical applications for you. Number one, commit. You know, community can only truly be built in proximity. Please do not confuse this as some sort of rant against online ministry. We have flourishing online community. It's not about the medium. It is about our commitment to being together. We've got to keep gathering together. We need to make sure that we have a commitment to it. I get, I really do. There's so many things that are competing for a bit of our attention all the way through the week. So many jobs that need to be done. It is a full schedule. And maybe we'll just drop it this week. I want to encourage you, don't do that. Commit to community. Because otherwise we're in danger of one day feeling like we've become disconnected. We start to think, oh, well, I don't think anybody actually misses me anymore. Not sure anybody even cares about me. No one's checked in for a long time. But we've got to do the work of committing to showing up, to being present, to finding that life-giving community. Basil, who's an early church father, says this, and I'm going to read it slowly because I believe it's so, so beautiful. When we live our lives in isolation, what we have is unavailable. And what we lack is unprocurable. I want to encourage you to be someone who commits. Because as you commit to showing up, you're going to receive from God some things into your life that you need. But it's not just ever about me either. Because as I commit to show up, I bring what God has placed within me and I bless other people with it. You might think, I could do without showing up this week. Maybe you could. But maybe it was showing up was about you bringing a word of encouragement to somebody else who couldn't do without you showing up this week. I want to encourage us to commit. Number two, forgive. You might say, John, I hear this. I think it's a good idea. I think you're talking sense. I think it's a good stuff. But there was this one time, this person said this thing to me. 
Oh, they blanked my text message. They never got back to me. They've never met my expectations that I've set out for them. And so I have tapped out on community because it's not worked for me in the past. Can I encourage us that we need to be people who get good at forgiving and get good at saying sorry. The reality is, as you commit to living in community with others, at times you're going to get offended. And I'm sorry for that, but it's true. Why is that going to be true? Because we are all broken people journeying to become more like Jesus. And we can just take the words that come in Corinthians 3.13 where it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Enemy wants to destroy our unity. And once unity is lost, it's hard for us to live in community. But we can make a choice to forgive quickly. If it needs a conversation, have it. But move back to a place of forgiveness. I'm not talking about how we deal with major stuff. I'm talking about the niggles that want to destroy our peace and our unity with one another. Number three, be vulnerable. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. It is almost impossible for us to live in that, to carry others' burdens or to send someone help and carry our load if we do never get to a point of being open about what some of our burdens are. When we build walls so high that nobody can ever get in, we never truly sense what it is to be known, to be loved. Brené Brown is the author of Daring Greatly. It's a great book on vulnerability. It says this, staying vulnerable is a risk we all have to take if we want to experience connection. We've got to make a choice. I'm gonna open up. I'm gonna be appropriately vulnerable. And number four, create it. Create it. See, we can all be searching for the perfect community. Oh, I'd love to find this perfect setting where I'd actually feel like it'd be the best thing for me. Oh, I wish there was a group that met on this night or did this topic or was a bit like this. Well, maybe God just wants to bring a challenge into your life and say, maybe you're the one who needs to create it. Because community is not just about settings where we come to consume. It's about us creating community and inviting others in. Us saying, hey, come be part of something with me. I want you to find a sense of home and belonging too. So maybe God is stirring on your heart. Not just to make sure you go out and find a place where you root in this season. But you're going to be somebody who draws people in and says, Hey, come join with me. Let's do life together. Let's seek the best for one another. I'm closing. I'm finished here. But let me find finish with this final encouragement to you. Don't do it alone. The chances are you won't make it. I'm heartbroken by, even in my own journey, people I see who just not still going on with God. And the reality is in most of their lives, they've lost community. As they've lost that sense of community, they've allowed themselves to slip away from God. Don't go it alone. You probably won't make it. Keep choosing community. Keep committing your life to God and to His people. You see, God has designed us to live like this. In relationship with Him 
and relationship with those around us. And I am so grateful that God has modeled for us doing the hard work so that we could connect with Him as our Lord and Savior, that Jesus did the hard work, that He went to the cross, that He died in our place, that He took our punishment, He took our sins. He did the hard work so that relationship could be restored with God. This is what it says finally in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, but God demonstrates this, His own love for us, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God has done the hard work so that we can find life and hope with God. You might have loved this idea of Christian community that I've talked about today. You might have thought, yeah, I'm part of that. I want to experience that. Well, the first step, receive God's gift of salvation through His hard work on the cross. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love for us, Lord. I thank you that you design us to experience life-giving community. And I pray that each one of us would be ready and willing to put in the work that we need to do so that we can say we were planted, we found hope, and as we rooted ourselves, you caused flourishing in and through our lives. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.